0: Uh, this morning uh, we'll be in John's Gospel, John chapter six, 16, Excuse me, John chapter sixteen. Continuing just to journey through John's Gospel that we started uh, almost a year and a half ago now, uh, just walking through this telling of the life of Jesus, with the emphasis on come and see, come and see who Jesus is. Come and see what Jesus is teaching. Come and see what Jesus is doing. Come and see the Savior. It's an invitation that is spread throughout this gospel. Uh, We have been, the last several weeks, in the farewell message that Jesus is giving to his disciples. Uh, We spent the entire first year on the public ministry of Jesus These verses and these chapters are considered the private ministry of Jesus where it's just Jesus and the disciples and he is giving them final instructions because within the next few hours, he will be hanging on a cross. Within the next few hours, everything in the disciples' world is going to be turned upside down. Uh, And so in this farewell discourse, Jesus is trying to encourage them and prepare them and instruct them. We've seen his encouragement. He's looked at them, and he says, you will do greater things than I have done. You will have a global impact. The message that I am leaving with you is going to change the world and the lives of the people in the world. It's going to change everything. And to do it, you've got to pray. If you pray in my name, I'll give it to you. you got to pray. You also need to know that I'm sending you a helper. The Holy Spirit is coming to equip you and empower you, and you will be able to do these greater things because I'm sending the helper, the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about I am the vine, and if you want to produce fruit, you have to stay connected to me. And then last week, he looked at him and he said, but it won't be easy. The world will hate you. The world will persecute you. The world will rejoice when I'm hanging on the cross. They will rejoice when you are being put to death. They will hate you, and that will take excuse me, so many different forms. And here's what he told us last week. Preach Christ anyway. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of ridicule, in the midst of people shunning us, making fun of us, turning their back on us, proclaim Christ anyway, with love and grace, tell people about Jesus. Today we'll start looking at verse 16, and he talks about sorrow. I would venture a guess with the number of people here today, someone is experiencing sorrow. Someone is going through a deep emotional sadness that is absolutely weighing you down. It could be as simple as those who are feeling sorrow because your light blue colored basketball team didn't play a game this weekend. (laughs) It could be that you are facing sorrow because a darker colored blue team (laughs) won't be playing next weekend. Uh, well, with, well, so many other teams that have followed you. Listen, I don't want to diminish the sorrow and the sadness. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. I live in sorrow, okay? Okay, I mean, the off season looks good, but I know they're going to kick off in September and it'll be back. I mean, you know, I live in sorrow. So I don't, I don't you know, sorrow comes in all different shapes and sizes, but in all seriousness, we experience great sorrow When we hear those diagnoses, the diagnosis of cancer, when we hear, I just heard this morning of a a church that I'm aware of, one of their pastors died of a sudden heart attack, and that church is experiencing great sorrow. When we lose a husband or a wife or a child or a grandmother or a grandfather or an aunt or an uncle or a dear friend, it brings great sorrow to our heart we experience a life full of disappointments maybe we wanted that job and we didn't get that job even though we felt qualified for that job and we felt sorrow over it maybe you're in college and you just failed your first test i mean that's 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 real sorrow that's serious stuff right maybe you don't get into the college you want to go to uh, i wanted to go to forgive me honey she doesn't know this about me cuz she thinks i'm a duke fan i wanted to go to carolina Let me tell you something. my, My resume to get into that school was so bad, I didn't even get a rejection letter. Okay, that sorrow, sorrow. We experience all kinds of sorrow in this life. And even though you might be sitting here today not experiencing it, listen, you're either coming out of it, in it, or going into it. Sorrow is a part of life. These disciples are with their savior, their brother, their master, their rabbi, their best friend. Their leader who they think is the son of God and they know is the son of God and they are walking with him for what will be the last time that he is physically alive. They will spend time with him after the resurrection. But this is the last time they will be with Jesus before they see him beaten are arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross, and take his last breath. And Jesus has these words to say, starting in verse 16. He says, a little while, and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while, and you will see me. Now, for you and I, we can look at this. And I love how the Holy Spirit worked all this out, because we're getting close to, to, to Easter, We're getting close to this time when we uh, mourn the crucifixion and celebrate the resurrection. So we can look at this verse 16, and we know that Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection. He goes, in a little while, I'm going to be out. I'm going to be gone. A little while after that, I'm coming back. But put yourselves in the 11 men who are there. They have no idea what Jesus is talking about. And so there's this conversation starting in verse 17 between the disciples. Then some of the disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while you will see me because I'm going to the Father. Again, they're they're so confused with what has been told them about what will happen. Verse 18, they said, what is this he is saying? A little while, we don't know what he's talking about. In verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, are you asking one another about what I said? A little while, you will not see me. Again, a little while, you will see me. So Jesus knows what they're talking about. And he looks at them. And maybe they've been walking to the place, the garden where he'll pray and get arrested. And he takes a moment and maybe he just stops and he gathers them around. He says, I want you to listen. I know what you want to ask me. I know you don't understand what I'm talking about, but I need you to hear what I say here in verse 20. Truly, remember we've seen this throughout the gospel. When Jesus uses that word truly or truly, truly or verily, verily, this is a moment where he's like, you need to pay attention. What I'm getting ready to tell you is vitally important. He says, truly, I tell you, you are going to weep and mourn The world is going to rejoice, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy, will take away your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. The disciples are going to experience great sorrow as Jesus is beaten, nailed to a cross, and dies. Their sorrow uh, is going to be fueled by the fear that overcomes them that they might be next. The fear of the unknown. The fear that uh, has them asking questions what's next? We're going to do greater things, but he's gone. When are we going to get this helper? What, what is going to happen? This this movement, this mission, the Messiah will appear to have lost. Now think about that for a second. Many of these disciples will scatter. John stays with the mother of Jesus at the foot of the cross. No doubt the sorrow of a mother seeing her son die is great. The mission is lost. The Messiah is lost. Jesus is hanging on a cross. And the same people that stood there a week earlier and shouted, Hosanna in the highest, are now going to yell, crucify him. In the midst of their deepest sorrow, people will be throwing parties at their expense. They'll be celebrating that this rebel, by the way, a guy who did nothing but love and heal people. I mean, he called out sin. He called out the religious establishment. They'll celebrate his death. In the Greco-Roman world and in the Jewish world, the cross was universally recognized as a symbol of death. If you saw a cross, you knew immediately that that weeping and mourning and sorrow and shame followed the cross. The cross was not just something used for Jesus. It was used before Jesus. It was used after Jesus. The culture knew this to be a symbol of death, defeat. Now, I mean, justice, I guess you could say. But in the midst of that sorrow, I cannot imagine. They see him die on Friday. They're hiding out on Saturday. Can you imagine the sorrow of Saturday? The sorrow and the pain of Saturday. And I don't know if they were remembering the words of Jesus or not. They certainly do after the fact. But this is the deepest pain that any of us could experience, pain that you go through, pain that I've been through, and Jesus prepares them for it. And he tells them very clearly that the sorrow of my death is necessary. The sorrow of the cross is necessary. The pain that I have to endure is necessary. Now you think way back John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we talked about that. The sacrificial lambs were brought to the priest. Blood was shed so that people could be forgiven of sins. Uh, There's some indications that people would take the horns of a ram or they would take the head of a lamb and they would put their head against the lamb's head and this symbolically transferring sins to the animal. And so that these perfect unblemished lambs would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sin. And John the Baptist has told us that Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is necessary for the forgiveness of sin. The sorrow that the disciples are experiencing in that moment are necessary so that their sins can be forgiven. And I know it's hard for us to grasp, it's hard for us to understand, but God is holy, God is righteous. This was God's plan from the beginning. You go back to John 3 or Genesis 3:15 and you see it. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. This has always been the plan that the one and only Son of God would be the once and for all sacrifice for everyone's sin so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's necessary for Jesus to be hanging on the cross. It's necessary because of what happens on Sunday. Their sorrow will be turned to joy. Look at that. You will become sorrowful, or we'll read verse 20. Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Your sorrow will turn to joy. Like a mother who gives birth, ladies, you know that more than I do. I know that, nothing. I've had a kidney stone. That's the closest I've come. And yes, I, when it was birthed, I jumped for joy. Okay, I celebrated greatly. <laughs> Jennifer was there, she knows. Um, that's a story for another day. We won't, go, we, we won't go any further with the argument that ensued after that. Anyway, he uses this illustration of a mother who has got the pains of giving birth. And then she hears the cry of her baby. And the joy fills their heart. Uh, I tell people the greatest days of my life were when I was saved and when I had my first child and my second child. But you don't understand. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't understand the love of God until I had a kid. I didn't understand this joy until I had a kid. Because there's nothing that will stand in my way of protecting my children. And God loved us so much that he sacrificed his child so that we could go from sorrow to joy. Because when they see that empty tomb and when they see Jesus resurrected, they will not be experiencing sorrow anymore. They will rejoice. They will rejoice. The joy that they will experience is going to be just like the birth of a newborn baby where all the pain, all the suffering, all the sadness, all the sorrow is wiped away in that moment because the cross no longer means death, the cross no longer means defeat, it is victory. Jesus is victorious when he comes out of that tomb. they will experience great, great joy. And what I love about this more than anything else is he says, no one will take away your joy. You need to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. No one will take away your joy. Now now listen, I think it's important to say this. Happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness and joy are two very different things. Happiness is a is is an emotional thing okay we can be happy we can be sad it's very emotional happiness is dependent upon external factors oftentimes right you know when we're sad we want to make ourselves happy when we're sorrowful we want to make ourselves happy so what do we do we maybe immerse ourselves in our work you know we just go we're going to work and try to forget about it uh, maybe we go play video games all the time and we just you know if we just enter into that fantasy world we'll forget what's going on in the real world and that'll take away our sorrow. It'll make me happy. Uh, I play the easiest levels on my video games, so I always win, so that makes me very happy, right? Uh some of you gamers are more better than me, right? So- but we try to hide ourselves. We try to run away and make ourselves happy. We drown our sorrows in, a, in, in, in alcohol, and drugs, and pornography. There's all kinds of things we will do to occupy our time that makes us happy. But those things run out. And we find ourselves sad again. So we're trying to make ourselves happy. Happiness is dependent upon other things. Joy is different. Joy is a spiritual state, not an emotional state. And joy is not dependent upon anything external. It is dependent upon what Jesus has done for us. So listen, you can go to the doctor this week, and uh, I go to the doctor, and they tell me that I'm I'm, I'm big, and that doesn't make me happy, because then they want to put me on diets. It doesn't make me happy or my blood pressure's too high, or this is too high. It doesn't make me happy, but I can have joy. I can have joy because my joy comes from the Lord. There was a pastor. His name was Farrell Shempock. I love this man to death. Uh, he was the interim pastor at the first full-time ministry position I took. Uh, I've talked about him before. Uh, he, he, was, he was probably 80 or 90. He was so special to me and still is today. I learned so much about ministry from him. He broke his hip. Now, when you're in your 80s, uh, I think he was in his 80s when he broke his hip. That's, that's usually not a good thing. It's never a good thing when you break your hip. But when you're that old, it's a, it's a bad thing when you break your hip. So I get the call. He's, you know, he's in the ICU. I'm like, oh, no. Farrell broke his hip, and he's in the ICU. And so I, I get up there. I'm honestly expecting not the best situation. I hear him, now, this was at Stanley, and so you get off the elevator, you have to walk through these double doors. As soon as I get off the elevator, I hear that infectious laugh, and I walk in, and he's got this nurse, and he is joking. Now, he, he could tell a joke better than anybody I've ever known. He was telling jokes, and he was talking about Jesus, and, and I walked in, and he goes, hey. He wouldn't, I, wouldn't, you know, there were other, I wasn't his pastor, I was his coworker, but he goes, hey, there's my buddy, and I'm like, aren't you hurting? He's like, oh, yeah. And no no painkillers. I mean, he, this was not drug-induced joy. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm in a lot of pain. But I got my Jesus. And he had his Bible. He, and he just sat there. He goes, you know, this is a rough situation. He goes, and I'm not happy. This is what he said. I'm not happy that I'm here. But, man, every nurse that walks in, I get to tell them about Jesus. Later on, he would would recover, he would get better. He would tell me that one of the uh, doctors came in and he says, Mr. Shimpak, how can you be so happy? And he got to share the gospel with this doctor who didn't go to church. Now, I don't know what the results were. That's the joy of the resurrection. That's the joy of Jesus. Listen to me. Listen very carefully. Here's the whole bottom line. We're going to experience sorrow. And there's a whole lot of things in this world that we can use to drown out our sorrows and get rid of it. But listen very carefully. We will experience sorrow. Jesus supplies our joy. If if you have slept through this or going through this, you don't remember anything else. Please remember this one line. Walk, Walk out the door with this one thing. In the midst of sorrow, Jesus supplies your joy. Jesus supplies your joy. That's the only place you need to turn to experience joy. When you are on your deathbed one day, you experience the joy of Jesus knowing that when you close your eyes, you're going to open them in his presence if you believe in him. If you believe in him. Think about the sorrow of that that man who was on the cross beside Jesus, the pain that he had went through, the sorrow that he had experienced in his life, and he turns to Jesus while they're both hanging on the cross, and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The joy of the Lord. The joy of our Saviors. A disciple can always have joy because we have confidence in Christ. We can always have confidence in Christ. There's a story or an illustration that goes like this In the desert, it's really dry, it's really dusty. And they have wells that are drilled deep, 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 deep into the ground. And in those wells are flowing water, nourishing water, life-giving water. In the driest of days, in the driest of times, in the dustiest of days, because they drilled deep down into the well, they have access to water. As disciples, when we drill our faith and we let our roots go deep, deep, deep into the ground, the driest, most sorrowful days will always be filled with joy because of Jesus. So here's the question for you today. Are you filling your life with the joy of Jesus? Or are you trying to capture the happiness of this world? Where are you finding your joy? Jesus or world? We're going to have an invitation in just a few moments, and I invite you to stay where you are and pray. Come down here and pray. I'll pray with you. If today's the day that you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, where you've been chasing after everything, I have not seen the Jesus Revolution movie, but I've seen a trailer, and this line has stuck with me from the day I saw it. There are people who are searching for all the right things in all the wrong places. If you're searching for all the right things, love, hope, joy, peace, happiness, and you're searching in all the wrong places, you're here. Today's the day you say, I'm going to find what I need in Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm going to surrender my life, and I'm going to start following him. I'm going to come follow Jesus. If you're ready to do that today, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, You can pray and make that decision at your seat, or you can come down here at the uh, altar and pray. So let's pray together before we sing. Father, our hearts can be sorrowful. Our experiences can cause sadness and pain and heartache. Thank you for being the source of our joy. Thank you for supplying our joy. Thank you for being a blessing to us. Thank you for giving us confidence and hope and encouragement. Father, help us to stay connected to you. Help us to look to you and nothing else to receive our joy in this life. No matter how bad persecution gets, no matter how bad our circumstances get, help us to have your joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.